Frosted Leaf is Denver's most innovative dispensary. What I like about Frosted Leaf would probably be their knowledgeable bud tenders, their online kiosk, their online ordering, and then just pick up at the store. And then they're always getting new genetics as well, so that's always cool. Like Edgar mentioned, Frosted Leaf gives you no lines, no weight, and a self-paced direct shopping experience that allows a fast yet comfortable transaction without the awkwardness of a waiting room. Not only does Frosted Leaf have the hottest strains, but they also offer a rewards program that will help towards your purchases. I would recommend Frosted Leaf to a friend and I would tell them to look forward to different strains and to knowledgeable help. Check out Frosted Leaf's three Denver locations and download their app today. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole, a left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. He shoots and scores. Nathan McKinnon, Cole J.T. Comfer, 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog, collective hugs, 29 and 92. Save me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon. My goodness gracious. <laughs> Welcome into the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution. I'm Nathan Rudolph. He's AJ Hayfley. We're back for a Wednesday episode here. We started to get into this conversation yesterday, but with the addition of Valerie Nachushkin and Rookie Camp just about two and a half weeks away now, we figured it was time to start taking a look at some of the battles that may be happening in camp. Specifically on today's episode, the 13th and 14th forward for the Avs, but look to be a pretty set kind of setup, maybe one spot. Now with Nachushkin, it's two, arguably, depending on how things shake out. AJ, how are you doing? How do you see these battles starting to shake up? I'm good, man. Uh, the Rockies actually are on YouTube today, this afternoon, going on right now. Uh, and I just think that's super cool because the the future of live sports moving away from like cable television Oh, absolutely. And, and on to legitimate streaming platforms uh, in high definition is going to be awesome. I so, cannot wait to get I, around that type of blackouts and things like that. Oh, right. Like uh, living in Colorado, I just fire up YouTube. Rockies are here on the MLB game of the week. I have no idea why, but they are. And it's a free game. And I'm I'm enjoying that. I'm like, this is awesome. This is this is super cool. I wish the NHL would do something like this. They have some things set up with like Hulu yeah. and they do have a, a free game of the week on game center usually, but it's still totally region restricted and things like that. So we're locking stuff, right? It's the internet. It can be everywhere, <laughs> but let's jump into today's topic here. I think we were pretty set on Kamenev being the 13th forward before this Nachushkin signing. Is that still something you're expecting, or, or has this meant that Kamenev has more to prove now? Well, I certainly think that there was going to be the potential for an upset there anyway. Uh, there there was going to be a battle, right? Yeah. Uh, you, you knew that every year there's one guy that makes the opening night roster that you just don't see coming. I mean, it just... 
it's how it goes. It happens every single season. Uh, even even last year when we felt like, hey, we more or less know what the roster is going to be going in. We feel comfortable with this. Sheldon Dry slips in. Yeah. And you're like, I right, well, good, to, good, good lesson learned that even though you think that you've got it down, you don't. Uh, and and this year, you know, the Nichushkin signing uh, just sort of adds another body to that where, uh, you know, the Avs assume that Rantanen is signed before the start of the season, which is a very safe assumption, uh, in my opinion, that uh, you've got 14 forwards now under contract, 14 NHL guys, and Kamenev was number 13, Nichushkin's 14, uh, you're probably not signing Pierre Edward Belmar to go out and and put him through waivers uh, in training camp. You didn't bring back Colin Wilson, Matt Nieto. Those guys are not guys that you're going to send down. So right. realistically, it's Kamenev. Even though he was a he was certainly a key part of that uh, the the Matt Duchesne deal. Two lost seasons for him. It's hard to believe this guy's been here for two years. Like what a what a different world it would be had he just stayed healthy, right. stayed even relatively healthy and gotten two full NHL seasons. We would, we would know who he is, who he isn't. We'd be feeling one. We'd be feeling so differently about it. And instead it's just a total question mark. And now you bring in Chushkin and it's strange because Nichushkin isn't really competition for Kamenev in terms of a lineup positionally spot. direct. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're, they're different. You know, Kamenev's a center that they haven't been uh, really interested in moving around and Nachushkin's a wing. So you, you think that they're competing for, for different, for different spots there, but with the defense as it is uh, you, I, I mean, it's been an expectation of ours all summer that they have, they would go with eight D uh, because with yeah. the Cole injury, you could have, and with the Byram X factor, you could kind of have the revolving door of, of moving guys kind of in and out on defense as you as you saw fit. And now, now they've kind of created that problem on offense as well. <laughs> right, and, and it was kind of like, I, I mean, I'm looking at the Avs defense right now, and uh, with Cole, there's eight guys there. You add Rosen, uh, there's nine. Uh, you add Byram, you're at ten. You take Cole back out, you're all the way back down to nine. That doesn't, I mean, it doesn't help you a ton there. So yeah. you're still having to cut one of these guys, you know, and, and the abs, the abs were very openly nervous about sending Ryan Graves through waivers last year to the point where they just decided to keep him because they thought they might lose him. And, you know, whoever they thought right. they might lose him to last year is still out there lurking. Exactly. And, the reality is there are going to have to be some hard decisions made on who's getting waived on both sides. Now, likely, yeah, you might be able to make it work on the defensive side if you want to run eight and send Rosen down or something like that. But on the offensive side, you're almost certainly sending down someone who's going to be waiver eligible, likely AJ Greer. But there are a couple of other things going on there as well. Uh, Yeah, I'm. It's been interesting the last couple of days as people have like dug in yeah uh and picked their sides on the which which four where they stand yeah yeah you know oh who's nichushkin blocking is nichushkin blocking anybody oh if he's really that bad it shouldn't be hard for the prospects to outplay him 
uh, that kind of thing. You know, everybody sort of dug in on their on their whatever their argument may be. Um, but I think I think instead of continuing to hammer away at oh we think this is bad we think this is good uh it's it's we'll just move on it is what it is he's here uh and now can't we go back and change it yeah exactly you can't you can't unsign him at this point so um where where does he fit what's the upside here what what are you hoping to get out of him uh is is where the conversation needs to start start shifting um because he's here and they made the year commitment to him, uh, and I really doubt that they would try and send him to the AHL. Uh, if they thought that that was a strong possibility, I don't know why they would have given him the the full contract. Yeah, and, uh, the only reason I see them sending him to the AHL if they want him to go back to Russia, basically. Right. So I, I would expect him to, to be close to a, ro- a lock to the NHL roster anyway. At the same time, though, uh, Kamenev is... Uh, he would have to go through waivers, right? And Cam and Evan and Greer are the two there. That are you like, really oh are you really going to risk losing him for nothing without ever really having gotten a chance to see what he is? That's the question. And, and like you said, had Cam and have been healthy, even one of the two years, we're probably not even having this conversation, right? I mean, Nichushkin may not even get signed, yeah, because exactly. they might be totally. I mean, Belmore may not even get signed. Yeah, because then all of a sudden Kamenev's a much more known quantity, and you can work with that instead of having to to go out and and look for insurance or possibly a complete replacement of the player. The thing that Nachushkin does give you uh, is that it gives you a buffer before having to get to the Sheldon Dries uh, players of your of the organization. It does, you know, it, if- it prevents you from having okay. Well, your first call up now is not Sheldon Dries or uh, Logan O'Connor. Now it's, okay, well, we'll just pull Nachushkin out of the press box and put him into the game if there's, an, if there's any kind of an injury or there's uh, an, you know, uh, an extended stretch of ineffectiveness there. How much better is Nachushkin than that? Well, is and, a legitimate and I mean, question. I, I, feel like I've made, I feel like I've made my feelings on that perfectly clear that I think Yes, I think so. Um, and that, and I mean, I'm sorry, but like, you know, we got into it on Twitter today about like underlying stats. And the guy scored zero goals in 57 games. Yep. I don't really care what a shot suppression looks like. You've got to, you can't be a net nothing on offense. You can't be a black hole. You just can't, man. That's why Gabe Bork's not on the team anymore, essentially. So why replace Gabe Bork with Gabe Bork 2.0? Right. You. The only difference between Gabe Bork and Valerie Nachushkin is that Valerie Nachushkin was drafted 10th overall once upon a time. And that's, that's what people are focusing on. Yep. That's, that's the, that's the only difference. And, and when I, when, when I'm and Gabe Bork is still out there as a free agent, right. why not just Unsigned. bring him back, man? If that's what you really wanted. Yeah. And it's, and it's easy to look at Nachushkin and say, okay, well, the upside, the upside, the upside. But what are you realistically expecting to get? Because we saw the downside last year. And you can make the yep. argument that Jim Montgomery's overly defensive system may not have been very good for him. But again, this wasn't a guy who was overly productive in the KHL either. He's, he's, now, not, he's now either struggled to get along with or be effective under two different NHL head coaches. 
and hasn't lit the world on fire even when he was in back in Russia in a in an environment that he chose for himself. So my it's, yeah, my problem with that with his upside play there is and and granted I'm not as intimate with his play as someone like a Tyson Jost. Sure, but with a Jost okay. we saw him go down to the AHL. We saw him come back. You see those flashes of that ability. With Nachushkin, his game has trended in the wrong direction every single year yeah. since turning pro. It, it, there is no indication that there's an upswing coming. Well, and, and all of the offensive underlying numbers are, I mean, all of them suggest that, uh, you know, like the, the Corsi 4 percentage is, is that's fine. Um, but there's nothing quality being created. And uh, when I went and I looked today deeper into what roles did he score most of his points on? Uh, it was when he was playing next to, uh, you know, Sagan and Radulov and uh, getting 100% carried. And exactly. And and it wasn't even like Spezza was any good last year. And that was right. one of the guys he was more productive with when he was paired. And with, with the guys he was paired the most with, which were uh, bottom six guys, you know, Roddick Foxa, he was not productive. And we're and, talking about a guy um, who only had 10 assists last year in 57 games. So right. like and, trying and, to parse that production any further is crazy. And that's, we've talked about it on yesterday's show. He's in the bottom six for the abs, barring just an explosion of offense or something very strange happening. Mm-hmm. It would take a lot to get him into even the second line. Absolutely. I mean, you went out and you got Andre Burakovsky, you've got Tyson Jost, you've got Jonas Donskoy. Uh, the, you know, the right wing spot where you're where you're looking for Nachushkin to potentially fill out. I mean, they went out and they purposely filled it up. Yeah. Nico Rantanen will be ready for camp, so don't give me any of that nonsense. Um, you know, they'll get the contract thing sorted out. And if, you're, if your response to Miko Rantanen might miss games because of a holdout, was to get a guy who scored zero goals last year. (laughs) You did a bad job. Yikes. Big yikes. So That's not what you're looking for. Well, seriously, it's not. Like, and so it's, you know, the, where he fits into the lineup is, is, and what's the, what's the upside that you would expect to get out of him? Everybody in this lineup last year, uh, I went and I looked, his points per 60 was almost identical to Belmar's. Belmar is here for a very specific purpose to be a fourth line center, you know you're not going to get a lot of offense out of, but he's fl- he's going to be flanked by guys in Nieto and Calvert most likely, but that can produce. <laughs> but realistically, you're talking about guys that had that that you know Nieto, Calvert, Jost, Comfer, Donskoy, Wilson, all of them, every single one of them, more than doubled Nachushkin's production last season. And so when you're saying what's the upside there is, okay, if you if you suffer two injuries, maybe the Nachushkin signing ends up being a godsend for you and he gives you 25 points. All right, then in that case, I am completely wrong. And the upside was you were effectively able to replace what you lost in the injury of whichever one of those guys were to go down. Now, if you lose one of your big guns, there isn't anybody on this roster replacing them. Um, right. Like let's let's just be real. Like there's that's just reality. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're we're talking about Nachushkin as maybe a, a bottom six replacement. Uh, but if if you end up playing Nachushkin ahead of a Kamenev, now again because they're, they're because one's a center and one's not, I think 
it's it'll just line up with whatever they need. Exactly. Yeah. It's not going to be so much so like uh like if they were sitting uh if they were choosing between Nieto and and Nichushkin for a lineup spot every night, you know, two guys that can play either side on on the wing. Um then that would be a lot more of like okay, like what are you doing here? Yeah. Um but with with Kamenev and Nichushkin, uh I guess that's I guess that's another upside is that you have that wing depth. If you have a wing injury, you already have a guy that can move in there. But you can obviously already also make the argument for Greer. Because, hey, A.J. Greer certainly has not gotten 57 games played at uh, in, in 12 minutes per night uh, like Nachushkin did last year to prove himself. I'd be curious what A.J. Greer would look like if he got that kind of, if he got that kind of opportunity. Would he have more than no goals and uh, 10 assists? There's certainly some reason to believe that he might, and that's probably where we'll start off our second segment here. So we'll call it a wrap there on segment one and get back into the Greer, probably the Drys, probably the Logan O'Connor conversation in a minute. But first, it's time to take a second to acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of BSN Denver. Breckenridge is the original Colorado beer established in 1990 in Breckenridge, Colorado. You've probably heard of their delicious vanilla porter, their oatmeal stout, and most people's personal favorite, the world-famous Avalanche, which is their classic American amber ale. But they just released a new beer called Strawberry Sky that I know many of you guys already love. It is a great beer. For you beer enthusiasts out there, they are calling this a light-hearted Kolsch ale. But for those of you who don't know what that means, this is that light, delicious summer beer that you've been looking for. So keep an eye out for the Strawberry Sky at your local liquor store or any other Breckenridge beer for that matter. And make sure you also look out for the Breckenridge event calendar on bsndenver.com. You can see all of the events we have planned there and we'll be drinking Breck beers at all of them. So RSVP and come have a good time. Second segment of the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online at mygreensolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes. Use code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. So jumping back into the forward battle, AJ Greer is a bit of a curious one. He is one of the few players that the Avs would be looking at to play on the wing that does have a little bit of NHL experience. But as you alluded to in the first segment, he's played six minutes a night a lot of the time in his NHL and hasn't really had a lot of opportunity to show what he can do. Does he have a real shot at making one of these 13th or 14th forward spots? And what does he need to do to hold it down? I mean, honestly, I don't think he does. All right, keep it simple. Um, I I thought that he would going into the summer, and then they just kept acquiring forwards. Yeah, and I don't think that, and and I'm less concerned about the Avs losing Greer on waivers than Kamenev, to be honest. I think that's fair. They do have a solid amount of of wing prospect depth at this point compared to centers, which you have Bowers. And then after that, you're essentially looking at Newhook a couple of years down the line. Yeah. And like, you're hoping Shvirev and and Sajin are like maybe guys that can help you out, but they're not exactly close yet. Right. And when you're talking about the, the fallout, the trickle down effect, uh, we didn't even talk about this yesterday. uh, The trickle down effect of the Nichushkin signing, Brandon Sajan's one of those guys that gets hurt yeah, because of absolutely. this. Absolutely. 
if he ends up in the ECHL or, or something like that, or, or playing fourth line minutes when he could have been in the middle six for the Eagles or something like that. Yeah. I mean, if they end up sending Kamenev down to keep 13 forwards, Kamenev's the center um, that, that Sajin is also going to be, and uh, that they're going to, you know, Kamenev. You know, take, they're going to give Bowers the benefit of the doubt as well. Right. Kamenev and Bowers. And then uh, one of the, one of the AHL contracts that they, or yep. one of the vets that they brought in, uh, we'll, we'll get uh, that job. Uh, probably, probably TJ Tynan. So now you're looking at Tynan, uh, Tynan, Kamenev and, and Bowers in, and and then Shvirev is returning, and then okay, now where's Brandon Sage in play? You know, I mean, do you? This isn't a kid on a normal development track. He's the the appeal of drafting him was that he was already twenty years old, uh, and that you could you could advance him quickly through your system and get an NHL or sooner than later. Now this kid's playing in the ECHL. You know, maybe maybe he never was going to work out anyway or whatever, but you can't say that you've put him in a position to succeed two years in a row after you wasted a year having him go back to the OHL and now you've put all these bodies in front of him. And it's, it's just sort of, it's, it's a very realistic question in my opinion to, to ask like, what's the goal here? What are you trying to accomplish? What's the path for a guy like uh, a guy like Sajin to succeed uh, in, in developing him and getting, and getting a potential NHL player out of him someday and it's just sort of that trickle down effect that hurts. And I know you asked about Greer, and this turned into an Nachushkin thing, but it can't be overstated that that's what the Nachushkin signing means. Is that that trickle down effect has an effect on every single one of these guys because they were already pretty much full up there. I, I'm glad that you expanded it because that's the reality of the situation. You can't just look at Nachushkin's contract in a vacuum. You have to look at all of these things, how they're intertwined, and how. This one signing can not only affect sending Greer down to the minors and then that knocks down another winger and all of a sudden Nick Henry's playing on your third line. You have Julian Nantel not even playing for your AHL team, which, yes, you can always get into the argument of, okay, well, those guys don't matter anyway. But if you're not giving those guys opportunity to become something more, you're never going to get anything out of any of them. Well, and and AHL contracts are not an irrelevant part of the story as well. Uh, because you've got you've got guys, you know, Tim McGauley played 20 games for the Eagles last year. Right. Julian Nantel, uh, same thing. And then you you also have Eric Condra, who's a who's a veteran. Not to you mention know? Michael Jolie either. And, and exactly, and Michael Jolie as well, as well as Brandon Sajan. And so you're you're talking about okay, now you've got, you know, you we just you know between Condra, Jolie, and Sajan. Those should be three regulars in the in the in the Eagles forward core somewhere in there. Yep. Uh, and and then you consider that they've got they they've already got twelve forwards uh, between Tynan, Megna, Lewis, Dries, Greer, Barron, Shvirev, Henry, Kaut, O'Connor, Bowers, and Dickinson. They've already got twelve for the for the Eagles. And so if one of those guys gets sent down from the NHL, you just knock every single one of those guys down one more spot. And those AHL veterans uh, that, that you went out and signed, those guys are all going to play. Those guys came here. They're getting paid big AHL money to play meaningful minutes for you, to play in, in 
your top six. So, you know, this is, it's not irrelevant. It's not irrelevant when you're talking about, there's only so many minutes to go around to develop all these guys. Oh, Martin Couch should, if Martin Couch's that much better than Nachushkin, he should be able to beat him out easily. It's it's more complicated than that, isn't it? Because look, is. at, look because at what AJ Gurr did in the AHL last year. Exactly, Just completely dominated. Perfect example: forty-four points in fifty-four games plays the exact same kind of role that you would want from a guy like Gabe Bork. They chose to play Gabe Bork most of the season uh, instead of AJ Greer, and you know this AJ Greer got all the opportunity to to prove himself. He played fifteen games and averaged six minutes a night. And potentially is losing out on uh, another uh, another chance to realistically prove himself in the in the NHL because you signed a guy who scored ten points in fifty seven games last year and uh, averaging twelve minutes a night. That's the craziest part of this. I was digging into it further today, trying to say, okay, AJ, you are overreacting. You're making too much of this. And the more I dug, the worse it got. <laughs> that's never a good feeling it's it's interesting i think the minutes is a big thing look at greer the one game he got 12 minutes granted it was a, a nothing garbage time goal but he scored a goal in his extended opportunity in a game and guess who didn't do that all season guess who hasn't done that since like what? february of 2015 right. I think, or 2016 yeah. <laughs> yeah like what in the world it's a tough one to justify, I think, and yet here he is. So it's going to make that battle harder. And, and as you said, it's looking like Greer is certainly at least on the outside looking in for an NHL roster spot. Part of that is likely the reason you've been saying this pretty much all summer that a dark horse to make the Avs roster could be Sheldon Dries. Granted, that is because he has the ability to play center, but he has played wing as well. A little bit more versatility there, maybe. Do you see him making... Well, let's let's bring it back and first say, do you expect the Avs to run 14 forwards, or are they going to just chop it down to 13? I really don't, man. Um, I, I haven't all summer because the defense, I think, is more important because there's there is such a, a cluster of similarly talented guys on defense. And with the Cole injury and with the Byram X factor that looms, you know, if they if they were to just cut Byram early on, send him back to the Giants, and were not insistent on giving him a longer look, it would really, really help clean up the some of the defensive tightness. mess. Yeah, right. But then you still have, hey, you traded for Kevin Connaughton and Callie Rosen this offseason. You clearly believe that they can help you in some fashion. But you also have a guy in Ryan Graves who gave you 25 good games last year. And you have a guy in Mark Mark Barbario who's been a really, you know, had a lost season last year, but has otherwise in his time in Colorado been a really good, uh, like, steadying kind of presence, rotational seventh defenseman that that you can rely upon to to, to move in and, and play every once in a while for you and not be an every night guy, but a valuable like depth dude for you. And you know, it's, you've got to sort out that problem, especially because Barbario and Connaughton are going to be free agents. And so you, you want to know, is there, is, is there a possibility one of these guys just clicks and and it works really well and you want to bring one of them back or do you just let them go, you know, and, and 
you you can't forget the the Connor Timmons is also involved in this. While he won't he won't be involved in it in for for the opening night conversation, you can be sure that if he plays well down there, they're going to look for excuses to bring him up. Absolutely, it's. And, and this is where we get into the problem, right? We right. had this defensive situation already, right. and then you, you make the same situation at the forward pus spot, and there's 23 roster spots. 20 of them were already pretty much locked down, at least 19, you could say. And you're trying to figure out how to fit close to 10 guys into three or four spots now. Well, and 12 of them were for sure locked down at the forward position. Right. They had 12 guys signed and Ranton and waiting to be the 13th once he signs. Right. Well, and I'm, I'm, I'm counting Ranton in that 12 that they had, they had 12 guys that you said locked into the starting lineup. I don't understand. Uh, I don't see a world in which all of these guys are healthy, that one of them is on waivers at any point during the preseason. Right. You know, I don't see him a Nieto or a Calvert or a Wilson, one of those guys. I don't think th- those jobs are in danger. You know, they might be in danger of, of not being regulars, um, but but they're like in the as NHL players, their NHL roster spot. I don't see as in danger. And then with Kamenev hanging around, it was going to be like, well, Kamenev will battle with Dries and Greer, and it'll kind of be a, a personal flavor who ends up as the 13th guy with all of us expecting Kamenev sort of had the inside track. Yeah. He's the center. The 4C spot was a sort was was a real problem for them last year consistently. Belmar also has the ability to play left wing. So you're kind of hey, you're you're able to to buoy an injury at wing if you want because Belmar can shift over and then Kamenev can just move in and it just made sense. Yep. It was a very easy set and forget 13 forward situation. With the possibility that one of those guys, uh, you know, that a Greer or a Dries or an O'Connor or somebody uh, just came out and, and had a great preseason and, and just steals a job somewhere. Um, but, you know, and and for me, I don't expect Shane Bowers to really be in this conversation because I do think that it would it will do him a lot of good to get a full year in the AHL. But I will tell you, the only reason I say that he is a dark horse to keep out keep an eye on is because he's an extremely smart player who works very, very hard, and both of those things are going to appeal a whole lot to Jared Bettner. And I agree with you there just just on him for a minute. The polish level to his game is... Right. There's there's a maturity there. Yeah, exactly. And there's, there's already a way that he plays the game and his sort of his approach and his attitude and his mindset. It's all very NHL ready. It's just the development of his skills is the only thing that we're talking about he needs an AHL year for. Uh, adjusting to pro speed, getting comfortable, systems, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He will benefit a lot from a year with the Eagles, but he will be, I think he'll be a guy that Bedner really, really likes because of style of play. I agree. And we saw it even last year, He his five games with the Eagles. It did not take him long to find that adjustment at all to pro hockey. Now, of course, it's a big, big step to go to the NHL, but he's already trending that direction. He really, you know, dude, he really is. Um, um, he's, he's a guy that we have to kind of keep an eye on. Um, he's, he's young and he's got time, but in, in sort of the same vein as a Martin Cout, like physically the body physically, like just 
him as a man. I think he's NHL ready. And um, Bowers could certainly use to add some additional uh, uh, strength. Yes. But I think that he would be okay in the NHL adjusting if, if they chose to do that. And again, I don't really, I'm not really seriously including him in this conversation um, because I think that, that like, because he's a center and you, he loses a lot of his, a lot of his appeal. If you move him to the wing, Um, I, I don't, I'm not interested. Right. But he's, he would be like the sixth center. He, in this he falls somewhat into the same category that Timmons does, that if he's having a good season, the abs may look for excuses to get him a game or two. That's a great point. That's a great point. So I think that's probably where the, the center situation kind of lies, but we'll go ahead and wrap up segment two. There are still a couple of guys we have to talk about that. We'll see how their years go. It likely depends on how they play, but before we get there, I do want to talk a little bit about Total Beverage because they have a great deal going on right now. 30, that's right, 30, 30% off. Total Beverage is giving the BSN fam 30% off your purchase of $25 or more. Use code BSN2019 online or on the Total Beverage app, which you can download today. As As you may or may not know, Total Beverage delivers to most of the metro area from Lakewood to Boulder and from Aurora to Brighton, and they have the lowest prices in the state. Plus, they now offer CBD products. From drinks to gummies, you can enjoy CBD products on your next visit. Don't let this offer pass you by. Order today and receive a 30% off your purchase of $25 or more. And better yet, don't leave the comfort of your home and get it delivered. Cheers. Third and final segment of the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution. I'm Nathan. He's AJ. We're getting into some of the potential camp battles here. One player that's honestly I've written off a lot, but... AJ just won't let me give up on it because it very well could happen is Logan O'Connor had a great AHL season, 42 points last year. There's some serious questions about the repeatability of that, but if he does, you can expect him to get NHL games again this season. I mean, this was a dude who didn't produce much at Denver at all. Right. He was then billed as this defensive guy. And now he's the opposite of of what he was billed as basically. (laughs) He scored 14 goals in two years, uh, uh, his last two years in at Denver. Yep. He scored He scored 16 goals his entire college career and then had 19 goals in the AHL last year. Yeah, so went off. Very real question about repeatability of it, a guy that none of, none of us expected that kind of production from last year. But if he does it again, you really do start to wonder, is this, is this a guy that's going to push a little bit more you know doesn't have great size but has great speed and really kind of fits to be honest he fits the Matt Nieto mold kind of to he a does. T he really does it's that same st- type of style of of shorthanded aggressive play as well right where- uh, very you know defensively responsible but with enough speed that if you make a mistake he will burn you to the ground I have some questions about his defensive ability at the NHL level to this point, but if he can keep up the consistent scoring at the AHL level, this is how you play your way into an NHL job straight up. Absolutely. Well, and that's this, that's sort of the question though, right? Is that 
uh, one of the one of the, the the I would say the most common counterpoint to the Nachushkin signing being fine is we'll let the best players play, and the Avs have not shown that they're willing to necessarily do that. Right, I, and if if Logan O'Connor has a, another has a really good follow up season in the AHL, AJ Greer is having a really good season in the AHL, and the, and Colorado's fourth line is still miserable, and they're not calling these guys up. Then what are we doing here? Right. It's we see every team and nearly every coach fall into this trap of the the devil you know. And you have a fourth line that's struggling, but you know exactly what you're going to get out of them. And they're not willing to take the risk of bringing in something new that maybe it could be better, but maybe it could be worse. And and they rarely take that chance. It's it's true, man. Like that's that's exactly how teams operate. They're very risk averse. The unknowns scare the bejeepers out of them. And the the known quantities, even if it's not even if it's not good. It's still known. <laughs> it's still, they understand the the ceiling. They understand the floor. And they understand how to live with it. And if they're winning games, then they obviously aren't that worried about the floor that much. Uh, because it's not preventing them from picking up two points every night. So it's it's a situation where these guys, if they don't, and, and the, the other big part of this is Sheldon Dries last year got 40 games. Uh, it, it, in an abs uniform, largely off the back of a good preseason and a handful of good games at the start of the right. year and like a really solid, surprisingly strong 10 games to the season, to the start of the year. Yeah. And then the more he played, the more it was very obvious that he was in over his head and that the abs needed an upgrade at that spot. And that's, I guess the upside there of the Dechushkin thing is that now there, there might be, four guys, five guys until you get to a Sheldon Dries or a Logan O'Connor instead of those guys being the number one. But O'Connor and Dries and and Greer are all kind of guys that, and Dries can play center, although calling him that, I'm not comfortable because he was so bad at it. Not really a center, yeah. Right. It was like when Agazino played center last year. Like, exactly. He's been a wing his entire career. He's playing center because they don't have another option right now. Yep. So he's really a wing and he is a guy that really, really should not. I mean, I, I don't want to see him get a call up over Martin Kaut. Yeah, that would that would hurt a little bit if if you're seeing this kid get a call up over Kaut, given the situation that you're in, what Kaut's ceiling has compared to what his ceiling is. And, and one of those players has the ability to affect your organization on the long term term a whole lot more than the other. So for the record, uh, none of these guys getting called up or uh, playing in games or whatever, none of them will have any effect on their expansion draft eligibility for the record. Yep. Uh, I just want to clear that up before that, before anybody starts thinking that that could be, you know, the super secret 4d chess move that we're not seeing. Uh, no. These guys will not be eligible for the expansion draft, and no matter what, at this point. So you don't yeah. have to worry about uh, tinkering with potential eligibility, trying to keep a Martin Cout protected, and all that. He's safe. They're fine. All these guys are fine. So we won't have to consider that. With Cout, there is the contract to consider. Right, the slide. He's 
just about the only one that I think can slide. So and well, and to get two two AHL seasons out of him and not even have his ELC start, I I look. It's not it's not my ideal. I don't love it. But given the financial realities that that Colorado is going to be moving into, you know, Sam Gerrard's big extension kicks in next season. Next yep. summer, they're going to very likely be be talking about contract uh, long term contract extensions for. It's hard to believe I'm going to say this, but Kale McCarr, Philip Grubauer, and Gabe Landeskog. It is the reality. I'm probably more against it than you are. I do not like the idea of holding Cout out strictly for contract reasons. I would agree he, strictly for the contract. I would. I'm. I'm actually totally with you on that. If that's the only reason you're keeping him out of the the NHL, then it's not. That's not. That's not a good enough reason, because the chances are he's not going to be. If he forces you, if he's so good that he forces you to pay big money coming off his ELC. That's a good problem to have. Very good, yes. And it's where I'm where I'm iffy about it is what if he's good enough to be fine in your bottom six right now? I'd still play him, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't think twice about it. I think you can manage that contract when you get there. But if he makes you better right now in your bottom six and you can get him that NHL experience and get him set up on a path to develop at the NHL level – I think you need to do that immediately. I mean, it's it's not hard to look and say a Colin Wilson, JT Comfer, Martin Cout third line. Yeah, would exactly. Be, would be one that's really intriguing. I mean, it's not hard to look and say um, Matt Calvert, Vladislav Kamenev, Martin Cout fourth line. Right. It's And we've talked about this before with Cout. He needs to get that NHL experience, even if it is playing nine, ten minutes a night on the fourth line. Yeah, fine. But get him in there, get the NHL part of the game into his head, get him understanding what it takes to play at the highest level of hockey. And this is the big thing uh, with Cout is that he is a guy that you know he's not such a high end guy that you have to drop him in the top six. He's right. a guy that can that you can develop in the NHL slowly. His game will absolutely function in those lower lines. Right. And that it's not going to hinder him so much that it's, it's going to turn him into a fourth line player. If you play him on the fourth line. Exactly. Where not holding him back. You could play him nine or 10 minutes a night there on the fourth line. And that's given, given the, what, what should be the quality of the fourth line this year, that should be a reasonable minute expectation for the fourth is that they get nine or 10 minutes a night instead of the six minutes they got last year, because a stronger roster, you need to balance it better. Take a little bit of the pressure off of those guys at the top. And uh, when you have a really good fourth line, you can exploit more matchups with it. So do that. And having Martin Kaut be a mid season call up for you where he can call, you can call him up. You can bring him in, get him into the locker room, get him adjusted to the culture uh, get him adjusted to the game slowly. You don't need to give him a big role and then let him work his way into a bigger role in time. That's perfectly acceptable to do that. You're not going to get so much more of a benefit of playing him 17 minutes a night in uh, in, in Loveland with the Eagles than 10 minutes a night in the NHL. I think another thing people forget with Cout 
is this coming season is going to be his fourth year in professional hockey. Yes, this is a really good point. Is a significantly weaker competition league, but from that physical side of things, like we were talking about with Bowers, especially Mm -hmm. at Dev Camp, he looked physically ready. Yeah, and he understands how even when he was a smaller player with with less muscle mass, he already knew how to play against men. So he understands that part of the game. It's not nothing that makes that jump into the NHL easier he understands that side of it yes the speed's going to be faster yes he's going to have to think the game at a quicker speed but he knows that part of it and it's one less thing to worry about it is and it's a great i mean it's a it's a great point honestly because the big one of the big those that's a big adjustment for these guys getting into the nhl is adjusting to the physicality of of you know playing against physically mature Guys, we watched Kerfoot get beat up every single night for two years, and he still had all the other skills to his game and was clearly an NHL player, but it was definitely affecting him to just get rocked every other night. Let me ask you kind of a, an unfair question, because I know okay. if you asked me this, I'd, w- I'd want to punch you in the face, but I think it's a fair <laughs> question still. Um, what do you think the ceiling is for Martin Cout this year? Like this what is, season? yeah, this season, what is the absolute best case scenario for Martin Cow? Absolute best case scenario is he drops into the AHL, just completely tears it up and is on the team, the abs team by mid-November, plays really strong wow. defensively, is able to work his way onto the defensive side of what they need in their bottom six and puts up 15 to 20 points and maybe 40 NHL games. That is not very realistic. I think it's not out of the realm of possibility. More realistically, you're looking at a guy that hopefully gets a call up around Christmas, maybe bounces back and forth between the two leagues a little bit. Maybe he can find a couple of points and find a little bit more sticking power in the NHL after the trade deadline. I like that second one. Yeah, I Um, I think the second one is... In reality, the first one is if everything goes perfectly. Yeah. I think Christmas is really the the X factor. That's been the the date I've been targeting for a long time with Cout in the day that I would really like to see him up and getting in an NHL game by Christmas. Definitely. Um, I... I think that he is what's the right word for this? What am I looking for? He is Not the sure. maybe the most important wild card in terms of all the guys that we expect to start off the roster. Yeah, I I would say that fair. That's fair. You have hopes for other guys, but if you're looking at one guy that you really expect to be on your NHL roster, if not this season, absolutely at the start of the following, it's him. Yeah. Whereas I think the number one X factor for the Avs that we expect to be on the roster is Burakovsky. And... Honestly, that could play into things a lot. If things go south quick with Burakovsky, you're going to yep. see the abs flipping things all over the place on that right side. And, and it could get crazy. That's where you might see, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, 
that's where you might see Rantanen next to Kadri and Val Nachushkin next to McKinnon and Landis Cog. And then you're getting into adventure territory. Aren't you? Yeah, well, and then it, it, it does. It becomes an episode of Adventure Time. Yep. Straight up. Go and tell your friends. <laughs> um, um, Rudo, yeah. one last one last question that I would have for you about this whole situation. Hit me. Is this the deepest the Avs have been since, let's just say, 2008? Pretty much. I, You know, it's it's not that long ago where you're remembering the Avs as their arguably most advanced prospect was signing an undrafted Andrew Agazzino to the AHL team. Oh my gosh, I remember that. Uh, so it's been a it's been a long time in the dark, and as much as I think both of us dislike the Val Nichushkin signing, it's great to argue over the fact that there's too many bodies instead of the fact that there are none. Well, and that there's too many quality options that could realistically help you, and all these things could go wrong, and it could end up looking like last year where we thought. Um, you know, when, when you got an injury here, you know, Kamenev goes down and then, uh, this guy is ineffective and this guy isn't, you know, has a, has a personality conflict and this guy's got whatever. And all of a sudden you're five deep in your AHL team and your fourth line is a total waste of time every night. Yeah, it's, it takes a balance. And if you're going to swing the pendulum one way, I would definitely prefer you swing it to having too many bodies. It, then not enough. <laughs> to try and get cute and, and short it by saying, right. oh, well, we'll only have two forward injuries. Exactly. You're setting yourself up for failure if, if you're going that way. I do believe it's probably flung, swung too far in the wrong in the too many bodies direction, mm-hmm. but I'll take it compared to, okay, our first call-up is is Ben Street or something. Uh, well, absolutely. Uh, and I think that there are a lot of interesting call-up options this year. Like, to be honest with you, they could they could call up Nick Henry, and I'd have no issues with that. Yeah, I mean, that's going to depend on how the season plays out, of course. But it, it's something that you wouldn't expect, but is not completely off the radar. Well, and we saw them play roulette with the defensive call-ups last year. Sure. I, where they just I, kept trying to find an option that worked, and then when Graves worked, they just ran with him. Right. And I think they should absolutely look at doing that. I think they probably will on the defensive side, and they should do it with the offensive side as well. It was They did a little bit of it. They gave Toninato and Greer and Agazzino and, and kind of cycled through last year, and that's something pretty new for them. They need to continue to do things like that. I would like to see certain players get a little bit more opportunity, and maybe you give some guys a little bit of a longer look than two games of Toninato like they gave last time. But also a guy who scored more goals than Nijushin. Very true. Very, very true. And it's it's interesting. I think the organization is kind of learning how to handle that situation on the fly as well. And there are some things that are going in the right direction. There are some things that you and I don't love. And it's going to be a process continuing throughout this season and, and going forward. Yeah. Boy, that tone and auto thing makes me think, huh? <laughs> having because i'd kind of forgotten about him yep and he was a guy that went all those games without scoring a goal and abs fans were not okay with that 
Right. Hmm. Certainly a, a, an interesting situation there. That. Hmm. But hey, he wasn't picked tenth overall, so. Six years ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. and he wasn't part of that 2013 draft that they're that they clearly true. fetishized. They they love that draft. Seth Jones win. Where where did he end up? Toninato ended up in Florida, right? Yep, Florida for a pick, so we could. Oh no, he was uh, McDonald. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. So that leads into maybe a conversation we'll have again tomorrow or next week about how the defense is extremely tight on the Eagles as well. You could also but have I... that conversation about balancing development versus preparing for the NHL. Yeah. And getting it's... guys in the NHL, like what do you know, do you call up Martin Cowd and scratch him or do you call up Logan O'Connor to scratch him because you want to play Cowd? Right. They're, very valid questions and, and ones we hope to answer as we start ramping up to, I guess, rookie camp first is only about two and a half weeks away now. So mm-hmm. we're getting there. We're almost there. We're uh, seriously, we, man, we're, we're in the home stretch of the summer. Yep. Not too much left to do. It's I say that and I look at it and I know that you and I have seven podcasts yep. to do before we get to rookie camp week. It's going to be a long two weeks. So for it's sure. like, what do we do for those episodes? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, between uh, between getting a dive into more development stuff and the fact that we'll probably use a day to answer listener questions and all of that, you know, we'll we'll figure it out. We'll we're definitely we'll be here every day as always. Yeah. We didn't we didn't make it all summer just to turn around and fall give up fall at, the end, right? at the very end. I'm very proud of the fact that we've been here all summer. Yeah, and it's been good stuff to be honest with you. I like it at least. I hope. The viewers listening like it at home as well. We hope to continue bringing you some game-changing coverage, and now it's time to tell you about some game-changing coffee. Strawbercraft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. The reviews are incredible, so check them out. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It has helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all-natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use code BSN2019 at checkout and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. We'll call it there before we go further off on this tangent. Thank you for listening as always, and you will hear from us tomorrow.